Late last Sunday evening, I saw my mom's hands right in front of me. It was startling, even as it happens with some regularity, and it was wonderful. The kids were already in bed, and I was hunched over the sewing machine, trying to finish my son Sam's Halloween costume as quickly as possible, since he needed it first thing the next morning to wear to school. And as I looked down at Uh, as I was pushing the yellow fleece and the the bright red sweatshirt material under the presser foot, trying to turn it into a dragon. As, As I looked down, for a moment, my hands ceased to be my own. I saw the way my mom's fingers danced almost effortlessly to cajole the fabric through. I saw her knuckles thickened from years of gardening and the scars left from our shared clumsiness. And smiling to myself, I recalled how many nights my mom stayed up late doing exactly this for me and how here I was quite by accident doing just the same thing. It's been more than a decade now since her death, and I found myself marveling once again at how much of her is layered on me, how evident she is in my hands and in my eyes and my smile as I get older, present even just in how I move. Just before our gospel picks up today, Jesus has pulled his disciples together and chosen 12 of them to be apostles, to be the ones he will send out to carry this love into the world. And then, with this new team gathered, he comes down the mountain. Here in Luke, we hear that he treks down to a level place. And we receive the Sermon on the Plain rather than the Sermon on the Mount. In this gospel, Jesus comes down to where the people are, hungry and hurting and longing for another way. And before teaching them anything, he cares for them. He welcomes them to draw close to him, and he heals them. He heals them of all the many things that ail them. This is the backdrop for the teaching we hear today. He starts by tending to these people in their pain. And then he begins in with this sermon we sometimes call the Beatitudes, which is really just a fancy word for serious blessedness. He's speaking to these people he knows are suffering and who he also knows are are healing and people who are both yearning for new possibility and are beginning to find that gift of community. He speaks to all of that. God is present in the sorrow, the pain, the ache of not enough. Blessed are you who are poor, 
and hungry and weeping. For yours is the kingdom of God, and you will be filled, and you will laugh. And Jesus goes on. God is not only present in the outpouring of tangible blessing. God, I believe he is saying, is the master of both and. That God is not either in one place or in another. That God is not only present for either the, the joy of the feast or the ache of famine, but is present to all of it, to everything in between, both and. God is woven throughout all these parts of our lives, hospitable when we need healing and feeding and hosting, and attendant also to when what we need most is to be emptied. This is, I think, what the woes are really about. Not spoken as a curse as we tend to hear them, but, but more as a word of caution, a, a yikes, watch out, let, let me give you a hand there. Woe to you who are rich, who are full now, who are laughing now. This isn't a condemnation. Instead, Jesus is recognizing that sometimes we need to be made more spacious, more tuned in to how we are not the sole heroes of our story, but, but are dependent on God and deeply connected to each other. So often we get caught in these false dichotomies, Assuming that we will only find God in one place or in another. This is the world that pop theology touts. That when we get the thing, whatever it is that we long for, the car, the house, the baby, the cure, that is the clear sign of God's blessing. What I hear in these Beatitudes, though is both the promise and the challenge that God is present and reaching and responding to us through all of it. God is hallowing every part of our lives, even the parts we don't mention on social media or in Christmas letters or utter in polite company. God is here for all of it. Her blessing is a both and. This feels especially true to me on this day, the feast of all saints, the day we remember all those we love who have died. In thinking about the day, I've been thinking also about funerals and how I love them. I, I realize that might be a weird thing to say. It's not that I love that people have died, but much like today or Ash Wednesday, I love how funerals are a space when we can be a little more honest about the full arc of life. More and more, that's what I find when we gather to mourn. I see people being real taking heart to be both loving and truthful 
as we remember the dead. But how do we do that? How do we choose to remember? What do we offer up and what do we push aside? It's not a simple thing. I, I know this. I, I have felt tugged in different directions for years as I've had to decide what of my mom's life to share and, and what to leave out. For so long there has been the stance that we should not speak ill of the dead. And yet, and yet this sanitized version of life is not the kind of sainthood that Jesus describes here in the Beatitudes, this collection of wild and surprising blessings. He does not offer such a limited view of where we might find God. For my part, I'm grateful for the wonderful memories of my mom that come. The the image of her working hands as we raced towards Halloween, her contagious enthusiasm, her generosity. And I can't pretend that that goodness did not exist side by side with the ways that her life was also painful and difficult for her and for all of us who loved her as she struggled for years with alcoholism. That was true also, all of it. And so I wonder, I wonder as we embrace the communion of saints, can we say these things? out loud, as we remember these gorgeous, complex souls. Not to sully their names, but to settle into a deeper honesty. And and maybe create a little more room to be fully human. My mom was sick and often absent And she was also tender and wildly creative. She was all of that, just as we, too, are so many things, our lives containing multitudes. The act of remembering is a practice and a sacred one. How do we remember? How do we remember? Which is to say, how do we pull all the parts back together? The fragmented parts of ourselves, of those we love, of all the members of this vast and beautiful communion. If we want to gather authentically with our whole selves, If we want to be full of heart as we remember, I think we have to begin with this this holy way of both and that Jesus offers us. He lifts up the entirety of the human experience as hallowed, an endless sweep of places where we can encounter God drawing near. If you are deeply hungry, God will help you find your fill. 
If you are weeping now, you will one day be surprised by the sound of your own laughter. And if you have too much right now, if you are too full to really taste the sweetness around you, God is ready to help create more space in you, ready to lead you to connect with the world in a new way. And so this is what we do today. We remember the whole of these lives of our beloveds, and we look at the whole of our own. The beauty, the challenge, the quirkiness, and the mystery, all of it. We remember it all as an act of faith, a way of trusting that God is present to all of it, that throughout the both and of wherever we might find ourselves, God is showing up, healing us, hosting us, emptying us, filling us. What a blessing indeed.